Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. There will be a crowd that to the very end has rejected and rejected and rejected. I don't want you. I don't want your gospel. I don't want anything that you have to offer. And this is the sobering reality is because this judgment day will come. It will come. And we don't know how far away this thing is because technically this thing could be seven years away. Well, seven years plus a thousand because, you know, we got to account for that, right? The world is in such a need of a savior, especially in the end times with all the tricks and deceit used by the enemy. Pastor James is going to encourage you to stay firm in the word so that you know the difference between truth and lies. Then you can be a light for others that need it so badly. God promises to be there for you if you remain faithful to him. And what you read about the end times in Revelation is no exception. There's nothing for you to fear when you see these events start to happen because you have God. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 17. As he continues his message, Babylon will fall. He's not stronger than any other angels. He doesn't even come close to Jesus. Like, that's the thing is like, it's always Jesus versus Satan. And which one's going to win? No, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus made him along with all the other angels. And so this one angel who's like up in heaven will maybe meet this guy one day. And he's like, oh, we're like, well, who's that guy over there? Oh, I'm just a guy. I locked up Satan. Like, I threw him into the bottomless pit. Oh, They didn't even tell us your name. He's like, I know, I know. I'm just a normal angel. I'm just a regular Joe up here in heaven. Like, that's who I am. So it doesn't even get a name, but it doesn't matter because all it takes is an angel to bound up the most wicked thing that has made its presence, you know, known here on this earth. An angel shows up and locks him up. Now, again, you guys understand you've been with us through the book of Revelation. We don't go spewing Uh, insults at the devil. He's still a roaring lion who prowls around seeking whom he may devour, okay? I don't care if he doesn't have teeth, right? Still, a lion with no teeth and no claws can still hurt you, all right? Like, I'm trying to mess with But the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. But I'm not going to attribute power to somebody who doesn't have it, who doesn't have it. I'm not going to live in fear of an angel who doesn't even compete with the God who takes up residency with inside of me. Now, is he oppressive? Yeah. Do him and the other fallen angels, do they mess with us and cause issues? Yeah, absolutely. They're the enemy, for sure. They are the enemy. They are wicked. But please know this, have proper perspective on this. It only takes an unknown angel from heaven to lock up Satan. That's it. Jesus doesn't come down and do it. He doesn't come down and do it. He's still on the horse. He didn't even have to get off the horse. He's just like, hey, angel, Bob, Bob, hey, come. Yeah, no, he's in the back. Okay, bring him out. Bob, go get him. Really? I get to, yeah, yeah, go (laughs) throw Bob a bone. Bob's like, yes, I get to do something. Um, We don't know who this angel is, but this is a pretty awesome gig for this guy. He's been waiting for the whole history of the world. He's like, this is my moment. This is it. Like, this is my moment. 
There you go. Good job, angel. Good job. He wraps them up. There's no struggle. There's no epic cosmic battle. There's none of that. Satan is bound. And the way that this is phrased, just so we understand, it's as simple as it's said. There's no like back and forth, a 12-round epic bout between this angel and Satan. No. He shows up with the chain and he wraps them up. Done. Done. It seems pretty simple. Like he's defeated. But he gets thrown into the bottomless pit where he gets to be locked up for a thousand years. You're like, why do you let him out? <laughs> why? Well, we'll explain that. There's this renewing that needs to happen on this planet. Okay. There's a renewing that needs to take place on this planet because we have messed this place up. Um, don't kid yourself. We as humanity have absolutely wrecked God's creation. There's just no getting around it. Okay. I'm not like a Greenpeace person or anything like that, but we have trashed this planet. Okay. Remember when you grew up in your parents' house, you trashed their room that they let you sleep in. Okay. It was theirs. It was never yours. And we do a, such a great job of just wrecking what doesn't belong to us. So there's going to be this time of restoration and renewal and all the good stuff. Here's what's happening as well. Just a sneak peek. Um, people are still going to be alive and still be having babies and all this good stuff. So the world will get a thousand years to repopulate, basically. So you're going to have people who are born. I mean, a thousand years. This always blows me away of like, that's a really long time. So you have lots of people having babies and all this good stuff. And lots of people who are going to be growing up who the tribulation time is like, what are you talking about? Well, no, that's the seven years that we went through. That was like 800 years ago. What are you talking about? And they'll see Jesus. I mean, but so there's going to be people who come up during this time period who have no relationship with Jesus at all. So you got to figure out like, well, where's their allegiance? And that's a good chance why Satan is released after a thousand years because, well, he's going to rally up another battle. Look what he does. It doesn't take him long. Um, verse 4, chapter 20, it says, And I saw thrones, and people sitting on them have been given authority to judge. This is ruling and reigning with Christ. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus for proclaiming the word of God. That's why they lost their lives during this tribulation time. Uh, they were proclaiming the word of God, and they would not bow down. They would not worship the Antichrist and all that stuff, and it cost them their heads, literally. They are proclaiming the word of God. It says, and I saw the souls of those who had uh, not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted the mark or his mark on their forehead or their hands. And they came to life again. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is all part of that ruling and reigning for Christ, and we'll cover this next week, the millennial reign, Okay. Um, what that looks like for us, um, ruling and reigning with him for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who shared in the first resurrection. Uh, for them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. So of all the people dying during the tribulation, the believers are resurrected. Okay. The other guys, well, you're going to have to wait your turn. Okay. Because there's a second death that's going to be happening. So, but concerning those who were actual believers in Christ, this is the deal. They come, they're resurrected and they get to rule and reign with Christ. Okay. So alongside with the church and others who have preceded us, ruling and reigning with him. 
So let's deal with Satan. It says, when the thousand years had ended, Satan was led out of his prison. It says, he will go out and deceive the nations from every corner of the earth, which are called Gog and Magog, very common names. We've seen that in Ezekiel. We've already seen that in Revelation as well. He will gather them together for another battle. Like, come on, dude. When are you going to? Oh, he's not. He's not going to learn. This time. This time we'll get him. I've had a 1,000 years to plan this out. This time we're going to get him. He will gather them together for a battle, a mighty host um, as numberless as the sand along the shore. This is what should be heartbreaking because after a 1,000 years, he's able to gather up probably a bigger army than what he had before he was thrown into prison. All these people on earth repopulating and all this good stuff, I mean, he's able to assemble quite a significant army to fight against Jesus. It says verse 9, then I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So here they are. These armies are coming together, and they're attacking, you know, all this good stuff. And just when it seems like, man, how are we going to survive this? God just like Super Mario Brothers style just throws out a fireball, just and boom, done, done. Takes a word, the first battle, a little fireball, the second battle, and they're consumed, these armies. Verse 10, it says, then the devil who betrayed them was thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then it'll be that moment, it's done. It's done. No more Antichrist, no more false prophet. No more Satan to have to deal with within your life. It's done. Done. He's finished. There to suffer forever, tormented day and night, forever and ever in the lake of fire. So we sort out the other group here. Before you can get a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth and all that stuff, there's got to be some sorting out that takes place. Where do the guys go who died during the tribulation who didn't believe in Jesus? What happens to all those people who, regardless of the time frame of when they lived concerning history, um, they never gave their life to Jesus? What happens to those people? And that's answered right here. Verse 11, I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from its presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books. So you got the book of life, but then there's also other books. And we know that from other accounts from the scriptures, every word you say is accounted for. Well, that's kind of eye-opening. Every word, every word, every deed you do, it's accounted for. What you want is for those records to be wiped clean like a slate, clean slate. That only happens through the blood of Jesus. That only happens through the surrender of Jesus. But if you don't want him, if you don't want Jesus, if you don't want the fact that he drank from the cup of the wrath and you would rather drink from it yourself, there has to be this understanding that you have to give account for everything. Oh, it is far better to stand in this judgment. This is not for believers. This is for unbelievers. We do not go to this great white throne judgment. Why? Because when God looks at us, covered by the blood of his son, 
It's not so for those who have rejected Jesus. So these books are open. It says, and they were judged according to the things written in the books and according to what they had done. I mean, it's as simple as that. It says, the sea gave up the dead in it, and death and the grave gave up the dead in them. So I mean, this is like everybody, everybody. They were all judged according to their deeds. And death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. So death is no more. No more need of any graves, none of that stuff. It's thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Based on what? Based on their deeds. But I was a good person. That's not the standard. That's not the standard. But I followed the Ten Commandments. No, you didn't. Um, and that's not it. You can't. We know that. I mean, we should understand that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who think that, like, well, I'm doing good. I'm not, like, killing anybody. And I'm not, you're missing the point. The Ten Commandments, the law, it's a standard that humanity can never attain. Like, we can never hit that mark. We can never, ever, ever hit that mark until Jesus showed up on the scene and smashed that because he lived it. He fulfilled it. Perfect. All so that you could avoid, that we could avoid this moment in history. And not just for that, but also to have this intimacy with him and a relationship with him and forever with him and all that. And even just the amazing things that we get to experience on this earth by knowing him and being known by him. The people that are mentioned in here, I mean, they're judged according to their deeds. And I can tell you this there probably will be a lot of individuals who have more good deeds than I probably did on this planet. Good deeds, good intentions, they don't get you into heaven. They just don't. What's the uh, saying, the path to hell is paid by good intentions of others? Um, I, think, I think it's going to be a wake-up call. Sadly, I mean, we went through this in Philippians, uh, towards the end of Philippians chapter 2. In the end, at this moment, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The unfortunate reality is that for whoever's name is not written in the book of life, it's too late. It's too late. That doesn't make God mean. That doesn't make him bad. That doesn't make him hateful. He has given humanity every single opportunity to turn to him. If we just take a step back, and look at the simplicity of the gospel and the beauty of it. It is, it is the most purest thing. God the Father sent his son to die on the cross for us so that our sins could be atoned for. And all it takes is just believing in him and receiving that free gift of salvation. It doesn't get any easier than that. And yet, I don't know how many it doesn't say, and I'm kind of glad it doesn't say, but there will be a crowd that to the very end has rejected and rejected and rejected. I don't want you. I don't want your gospel. I don't want anything that you have to offer. And this is the sobering reality is because this judgment day will come. It will come. And we don't know how far away this thing is because technically this thing could be seven years away. Well, seven years plus a thousand, because you know we gotta account for that, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. When we're there with Him, it'd be like that thousand years, kind of comes and goes fast. 
this day is imminent. It's imminent. And I, you know, I'm grateful for all you guys that are here today, but also for anybody who's watching online, man, you want to avoid this. It's much better to be on the winning side, the side where it's like, I don't fear the great white throne judgment. I don't because I'm covered by his blood. It's his righteousness is what clothes me. You know, it covers me. We will have our own judgment, and that'll be based on our works and our deeds and all that stuff. We, there will be an accounting for believers as well, but it's not based on sin in that sense of like, that's covered for Christians. But there will be this judgment, and it's solely for those who have rejected Jesus. And so I would say, Christians, let's let this motivate us to share the gospel with people. Anybody watching online or maybe down the road, this eventually will be on the radio, I'm sure. So maybe somebody's driving in their car or whatever. Listen, just surrender to Jesus. Just surrender to Jesus. And it's as simple as, Lord, you said you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. I am a sinner. I'm going to tell you right now, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I am a sinner. And I have 20 years after following him, it is so much easier for me to acknowledge and, and, and proclaim that than maybe when I first got saved. Right? I didn't think it was all that bad. I knew it was bad, but come on. Now I'm like, I'm wretched. I'm a wretched man. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and saving this wretched man. So that's what we want. That's what we want for our loved ones. That's what we want for humanity. That's what we want for humanity. That's what we want for the people we don't agree with. That's what we want for the people who we perceive to be the enemy, although they're not the enemy. They might be used by the enemy, but they're not the enemy. This is what we want. Why is this what we want? Because this is what God wants. He wishes that none would perish apart from him. He wishes that this would not be the reality for however many people it's going to be a reality for, but he's not going to force them into heaven. If this is what you want, then have at it. So we live in a church time. This is the age of grace is what they call it. This is the time where we get to represent Jesus. We get to proclaim the gospel. We get to share it with people in whatever form or fashion we can, whatever opportunity comes our way. Let's keep this last little portion of revelation fresh on our hearts and our minds as we're talking to people. Because the last thing you want is for the person that you maybe despise the most for this to be true of them, which would probably be a good word for, especially within our world today, as you know, we're heading towards an election. And it's like, you can't hate this person and you can't hate that person. And may it never be said of any Christians that they wish that this would happen to anybody. I don't care who they are. It should break our hearts that this is going to be a reality for people. Because it breaks his heart, it should break our heart. Man, let's be praying. Praying for those family members that we love so much. Let's be praying for coworkers. Let's be praying for people, man, when that person's image gets projected onto the screen. Now, I know for some Christians, they hate Donald Trump. You can't hate him. You can't. Some people hate Joe Biden. You can't hate him. That's sin. That's sin. Why don't you pray for him? Let's pray for him. Pray for Barack Obama. I don't care what kind of a president he was. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for whoever else. Let's pray for these people when we see their images and that thing happens inside of us because it happens to me, just like it happens to you. You're like, Ugh, I don't like, no, pray for them. Pray for them because I don't care who they are. I don't want this to be the reality for them. And that's hard when you hear of certain stories and stuff. 
But I think as Christians, we ought to be moved with compassion. We ought to be to this place of like, you know what? My Lord, I pray, I pray you snatch him out of the fire, just like you snatched me out of the fire. Please, let's look for those opportunities. Um, because what we want is for chapter 21 and chapter 22 to be a reality for the people that we love for sure. Let's kind of be like Charles Spurgeon. He was one of those fired up kind of guys who was like, you know what? Let's take as many in with us as we possibly can, right? Now, of course, that's, you know, the Holy Spirit work and all that good stuff. But we have a responsibility to share the gospel. So let's try to get as many to come with us as possible. Because Revelation 21 and 22 rock. They are the coolest part about the Bible. They are amazing. And uh, man, nothing gets me more fired up than to see what is to come. You know, you don't have to turn too far back in the history books to see how cities can be leveled in an hour by a really big bomb. Hiroshima, Nagasami, right? Um, wiped out, right? In an instant. So is this like these guys launch some bombs and these guys launch some bombs and it's just total devastation on this planet? Could very well happen. I mean, there's more and more countries that are building these bombs. No, don't build those bombs. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Sure, we won't build any bombs. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We have bombs. They have bombs. They have bombs. They have bombs. We don't get to dictate who gets bombs, okay? America is not the police of the world, all right? Countries are going to do what they want to do. Will these things all fire off at one point in time in history? There's a really good chance that'll happen. You can read through Revelation with that lens, and some of this stuff will make sense. Some of the stuff is like, oh, yeah, I can understand why guys like Chuck Smith or John Corson would say, like, there's a lot of, like, this could be a nuclear war and all that stuff. It makes perfect sense. In an instant, in an hour, this city is destroyed. I mean, it is wiped out. So is this huge millstone-type thing that gets thrown into the sea, is that really just a really big bomb that this angel is like, caught it, boom, spiked it right down into the Mediterranean Sea? I don't know. But it's going to decimate everything. It says, with this kind of sudden force, this 21 continuing on, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down, and it will never be found again. And the sound of its harpists, musicians, flute players, trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen who practice any trade will ever be found in you again. The noise of the mill will never be heard in you again. Even the light from a lamp will never shine in you again. The voices of the bridegroom and his bride will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the tycoons of the world, because all the nations were deceived by your magic spells or your sorcery, Okay, Um, They were deceived by your magic spells. The blood of the saints and her prophets was found in her, along with the blood of all who had been killed on earth. That's Babylon. It's a city of violence. It's a city of corruption of ultimate corruption. And in an instant, whether it's the religious side of things or it's the political or the the economical side of it, Babylon as a whole is destroyed. City, the system, it's gone. And there will be a praise concert that happens immediately following. So um, that's 1718. Babylon the Great is no more. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James teaches through the book of Revelation. Some days it may feel like the choices you make don't really matter in the long run, but the book of Revelation teaches us otherwise. There will come a day when the decisions you make today will impact your future. There will come a day when all that is evil will be cast away and the darkness will no longer have dominion. So take a moment and think about your life. Are you making decisions that are good and holy, or are you making decisions that will hinder your relationship with the Lord? If it's the latter, be encouraged. God doesn't leave or forsake. Seek Him and ask Him to help you overcome the darkness. He is faithful, and He has the power to restore you. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse messages from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you visit. For directions and service times, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to hear from you too. So send us a quick note in the contact tab at breadforthebroken.com if you've been blessed by this program. There's still a lot to learn from the book of Revelation, but that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time for Bread for the Broken.